0: My name is Heidi and I love stories. Funny stories and sad stories and what on earth just happened stories. As it turns out, the Bible is full of them. After two decades in Sunday school, plus a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. So last episode, you guys found out how Jehoshaphat's reign in Judah ended. However, he's going to come back to life for a little while this episode because we have to talk about Elijah and the transition of power from Elijah to Elisha as the prophet in Israel. And because Judah was much more consistent with following God compared to Israel, also a prophet who talked somewhat to Judah. Elijah is an interesting one because he is not going to die. He is instead going to be taken up into heaven by a chariot of fire. You heard that correctly. There is no better way to put it. He is going to be taken away from the earth and brought to heaven in a chariot with horses made of light and fire. It's awesome. And Elisha knows it. So Elijah knows he's going to be taken up into heaven. And so he tells Elisha to stay where he is in Gilgal because Elijah has been sent to Bethel. And Elisha is like, not a chance on God's life and yours. I'm not going anywhere. So when they get to Bethel, some prophets come out and they're like, do you know Elijah's going to go to heaven today? And Elisha's like, yeah, I know. Shut up. The same thing happens from Bethel to Jericho. They get there and prophets are like, do you know your master's going to go to heaven today? And Elisha's like, yeah, I know. Shut up. And yet again, Elijah tells Elisha to stay in Jericho instead of going with him to the Jordan River. And Elisha is like, not on your life. I'm going with you. I swear to God, I'm coming. So they arrive at the Jordan River, Elijah and Elisha, and a group of about 50 prophets is hanging out by the river, and Elijah takes off his cloak, strikes the water, and it parts. If that sounds like something that happened with Moses and Joshua, yeah, you got there. The Jordan River parts, and Elijah and Elisha cross over. And Elijah asks Elisha what he can give him, as like a last token. And Elisha asks for a double portion of the spirit that Elijah has. This is not something that Elijah can grant. So he tells him that if he sees himself go to heaven, if Elisha sees Elijah go, then that means that God will give him a double portion. If not, he will not. And that is what it is. So Elijah and Elisha are having a conversation. And as they walk, a chariot with horses of fire came and swept up Elijah. And he was basically taken into a tornado, ascending into heaven, and Elisha watches, and as Elijah goes, he drops his cloak down to the ground, his mantle. You'll sometimes hear people taking up the mantle of someone. This is where that phrase comes from. And Elisha, heartbroken, tears his clothes in half and puts on Elijah's mantle. He returns to the Jordan River, which is now flowing like normal, and he asks God, where are you? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And strikes the water, And the water parts for Elisha. He has been given a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. The prophets who are at the Jordan see this and they're like, the spirit of God that was on Elijah is now on Elisha. Thank goodness we are now down to one Eli something. They ask Elisha if he wants to send messengers to go try to find Elijah because God might have like picked him up and put him down somewhere. And Elisha's like, why bother? But they bug him and bug him and bug him. And finally he's like, go, go ahead, send 50 men, see what happens. Three days later, they come back and they're like, we couldn't find Elijah anywhere. And Elisha's like, yeah, no way. I bet. Now at this point, some men from the city are like, we have this situation where the land is good, but the water is bad. And so we can't really do well here. And so Elisha asks for a new bowl filled with water and salt, and he throws that into the bad water, and it is healed. And now the land is fruitful where he was. So Elisha's really picking up on this ministry. While Elijah was more like the weirdo in the wilderness yelling at the kings, Elisha is going to be a much more down-to-earth, people-centric prophet. And part of that has to do with who is king in Israel. Part of that also has to do, I think, with some personality differences. However, it's not that Elisha can't throw down, as these dum-dums discover just now. They basically call him bald and they they curse Elisha and they're mocking him and mocking God and the whole thing. And so Elisha curses back. Elisha just curses him. Who knows what's gonna happen? God does. Two bears come out of the wilderness and eat fifty two boys. They're just like nom, 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 nom. These are not kids, these are dum dumb teenagers. If you've ever met a frat boy and wondered, I bet a bear could eat him whole This is where we find out some Israelite frat boys are yelling at Elisha the prophet for being bald and stupid. And he curses them and some bears come out and eat them all. Hooray. Now, this is where we get to return our attention very briefly to Jehoshaphat, who at this point is still alive. Jehoram took the throne of his father Ahab back in Jehoshaphat's 18th year. And Moab rebels against Israel. So Jehoram's like, Jehoshaphat, come help me. And Jehoshaphat's like, yeah, okay, sounds good. Helped your dad help you. And they go into the desert to attack Moab. And there's no water you know, in the desert, and they look like they're all gonna die, them and their whole army. And so Jehoram's like, "This is the worst." And Jehoshaphat's like, "Did you not bring a prophet on this mission?" And Jehoram's like, "Well, Elisha's here." So Elisha's like, "Here's the deal, Jehoram. I hate you because God hates you because you're the worst." However, Jehoshaphat's here, so I'll ask God what He can do. And he prays, uh, set to the lovely stylings of a local musician. And water comes up from the ground, and so the Israelites have water to drink. The next day, Moab, to be clear, the entire country's army, goes to attack Israel and Judah together. And they see the pools of water, but it's sunrise, and so they see it as red. And they're like, they've attacked each other! And so they go to find the spoils of the camp, but lo and behold, they are still alive. They rise up and just send Moab to the dirt, like chase Moab all the way deep into Moab, it's pretty epic. That's the kind of thing that God delivers. Go Jehoshaphat! Go team! I told you we'd briefly see Jehoshaphat again. He's still alive, but we have to turn back to Elisha. If this episode seems like, are we just doing a, like, Elisha's illustrious career episode? Yeah, pretty much. It's Elisha's illustrious career. And this is one of the most famous stories with Elisha in it, so I'm going to tell it. A widow of one of the prophets who had served with Elijah and who Elisha knew as well came to him and was like, here's the deal. My husband has died. My kids aren't old enough to work and our debt collectors are knocking on the door. We have absolutely nothing we can do. We are going to be destitute and sold into slavery. And Elisha's like, do you have anything in the house of value? Anything at all? And she's like, I have a very small flask of oil, but it's not worth anything. And Elisha tells her this. Go and get pots and pans and every type of can-contain oil vessel from all of your neighbors. Shut the door behind you and use the oil to fill these vessels. When one is full, get another one. So she does it. She gets a house full of earthenware jars of various sizes. She tells her sons to shut the door and they start pouring oil from this little flask into these vessels. Huge, huge vessels. One after the other after the other until finally she asks for another and the boys are like, we're out. We filled up all the vessels. This is amazing because it's like someone used a TSA sized water bottle to fill up like 5, 10, 15, 20 gallon jars. Multiple. Plural. This is multiplication on a scale that we don't see again for quite some time. Not until I would argue the New Testament. When she tells Elisha what happened, Elisha's like, perfect, go and sell the oil and it will pay for all your debts. So that particular widow was provided for. God loves providing for widows and orphans and those who are in serious distress. God is the protector and the avenger of those who are vulnerable. So if you're ever wondering if God is on your side, ask, am I... Helping the vulnerable or taking advantage of their vulnerability? And that will usually answer your question. Now, Elisha, like most prophets, was on a constant road trip around the country. And there was a particular elderly woman who was also uh, super rich who lived in Shunem. And any time he passed by, she would invite him over for dinner. She and her husband would host him. And finally, they were like, you know what would be nice? If we made a spare room specifically for Elisha so that anytime he's in town, he has somewhere to stay. And so they do. And Elisha is touched. He's like, what can I possibly give you in return for this this room? Wh- what would you like? She answers that there's nothing, no message that he could give to the king or a commander of an army. She has nothing that anyone can really do for her. She and her husband are doing well. And so Elisha asks his prophet apprentice Gehazi. And he's like, well, she's old and they don't have any kids. And so Elisha calls her to the door and is like, well... This time next year, you're going to have a son. And she responds, please don't lie to me. <laughs> Man of God, don't, don't do that. But he wasn't. She gets pregnant, and she has a son. And he starts to grow up until he suddenly falls very, very ill. He's out in the field with his father as he's reaping his harvest, and the child starts screaming that his head is hurting. And the father brings him in to his mother, to this wealthy woman, and she holds her baby in her arms, her son, her only child, till around noon when he dies. This is a woman who had no children, and because of her kindness to a man of God, now has a child who is dead in her arms. She puts the boy on Elisha's bed, closes the door, and asks her husband to get a donkey saddled for her, and she chases Elisha down on this donkey. She goes to Mount Caramel, and... Elisha sees her coming and sends Gehezi to ask her what's going on so Gehezi runs and she says everything's fine I just want to talk to Elisha but she does actually go all the way to Elisha she will not stop for this servant and when she arrives she throws herself on Elisha's feet and Gehezi tries to pull her off and Elisha's like whoa, whoa 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 God won't tell me what's wrong but something's clearly wrong we need to find out what it is and he asks and she says "'Didn't I tell you not to lie about the fact that I would have a son? "'Didn't I ask for this?' Elisha sends Gehazi to go and heal the child. He sends his staff with him, and Gehazi is told not to stop for anyone, not to say hi to anybody, not to answer anything, but to go straight there. And Elisha is going to stay, but the woman insists he come with her. So he goes back to her house, and Gehazi sends word that the child's not awakened, and Elisha goes to the upper room and closes the door and begins to pray." he lays his whole body on the child. If this sounds a lot like Elijah, guess we know where he got it from. But he stretches his body out on the child, and the boy awakens, sneezes seven times, don't know why, but he awakens, and Elisha is able to return this child to his mother. Again, the vulnerable, including the baron, who God does not curse. And finally, in this Establishing Elisha's Career episode, we have the stew. Some soldiers were making a stew. One of them grabbed some food, not knowing what it was. It wasn't really food. It was poisonous. They put it in the stew, and then they're like, Elisha, don't eat it. This stew is poisonous. And Elisha's like, bring me some flour. Throws some flour in it, and the stew is fine. They can eat, and they are satisfied. Elisha also, by the way, is given 20 loaves of barley and some ears of grain, and he is supposed to distribute it to 100 people, and they're like, um, this is not going to go around 100, and Elisha's like, don't worry about it, just set it out and it'll work. And lo and behold, God multiplied the food they had, and it worked. There is so many cool things that Elisha's going to continue to do. He is such a fun prophet, because he is just on it. This balding second to Elijah guy is the bomb.com. Next episode, we're going to continue on Elisha's illustrious career as the prophet in Israel and find out a little bit more about how he's going to interact with the upper crust. Most of this episode, he's been helping people who are vulnerable, be it widows or women who can't conceive, young prophets or cities with bad water. Next episode, Elisha's going to interact with a general who is an enemy and also the king of Israel. I'll catch you then.